Well, hello there. This is Evangelist Timothy Gruber here at the Word of the King. Holiness Bibles for the Blind. Ecclesiastes chapter 8 verse 4 tells us that where the Word of the King is, there is power. We may say unto him, What doest thou? Acts chapter 26. Before it started with the reading tonight and the message that God has given, We're going to start off with something that was written by a preacher from Tennessee. The work he did entitled Questions and Answers About Hell. Amen. And the head of this little piece of writing is called The Day of Your Death. Ah, uh, yeah. Like, before I get into this, though, I would just remind you Hebrews chapter 9, verse. 27 says, and as it is appointed, the man wants to die, but after this, the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and none of them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. It's written in the book of Ezekiel, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. But again, this little work is entitled, The Day of Your Death. Friend, will you ponder some words of truth? Will you will end up in years or yet in your youth again it says friend will you ponder some words of truth though you be up in years or yet in your youth with each passing day your life spins by death creeps closer till it's your turn to die on your bed of death thought comes to mind all your dear loved ones you must leave behind they speak words of comfort and try not to cry but there is no comfort it's your turn to die. As you reflect upon many wasted years, your poor heart saddens and your eyes fill with tears. You spent so much time for family and friends, yet so little time being grieved for your sins. You spent through your years consuming worldly pleasures, yet never investing in heavenly treasures. With these sobering thoughts, you begin to grow scared. It's your turn to die, and you have not prepared. Year after year, you rejected God's Son. Over and over, the gospel you would shun. God's Spirit, which spoke to your once tender heart, has now been replaced with Satan's stinging dart. Like a tale which is told, your life has flown by. Your days are expired, and it's your turn to die. A piercing chill suddenly fills the air, while death enters the room like a strange nightmare. This is no dream. The time has arrived. You'll die in a moment to never be revived. All loved ones fade as death closes in. Your body lies helpless, and you cannot win. With one final struggle, you gasp for your breath to find your soul in the arms of death. As loved ones gaze upon your lifeless frame, your soul makes its journey to the land of the flame. Why me, you cry. I wasn't that bad when you recall all the chances you had. Time and time again, God's humble servants came, offering you salvation in Jesus' name. But you cared not for God's holy plan. You despised his servants, and from his truth you ran. Now as your feet sink into the flame, all hope is gone to trust in his name. Deeper you go into the fiery bath, having traded God's mercy for his never-ending wrath. While horror fills your soul, the pain multiplies, your screams simply fade into the smoke-filled skies. 
as you wait for the flames seeking consolation, those you encounter have the same condemnation. There's no one to help. There's nowhere to turn. Refuge is fled, and you're left here to burn. As your loved ones back home in the world above comfort one another with words of love, they're all unaware of your sad plight beneath, of your weeping, your wailing, and your gnashing teeth. They'll soon gently lay your body in the ground, but of your screams below, they won't hear a sound. Never again will you see a smiling face, only faces of agony in this damnable place. No children playing with whom to share your love, not another second with your sweetheart above. No food to eat, no water in sight, forever you're in you're a captive to hell's dark night. The sunsets have vanished, no mountains, no streams, and the roaring flames and soul-piercing screams. At last you now see your error so well, and you said no to Jesus. You said yes to hell. James L. Melton, the author. Have you heard of, heard of him, Kenny? Not actually. Melton. Not actually. Okay. Good King James Bible preacher down in Tennessee. That's some good material. That from questions and answers about hell. It's a little uh, very, very good poem that God laid upon his heart. So, if you said yes to Jesus, if you say yes to Jesus, you're saying no to hell. If you said no to Jesus, you are indeed saying yes to hell, sinner, friend. Acts 26, starting in verse 1. Reading down through here for a number of verses. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. And Paul stretched forth the hands and answered for himself. So here is Paul in Hebrew of the Hebrews, having been sent forth with the gospel of the grace of God to the Gentiles. And here he is before this king Agrippa. Acts 26, verse 2. Paul answering, I think not myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day. Before thee, touching all the things whereof I am accused of the Jews, especially because I know thee to be expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews, wherefore I beseech thee to hear me patiently. Even so, sinner, hear patiently, hear patiently the words of the living God. Verse 4 of Acts 26. Paul goes on, My manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among mine own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews, which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify that after the most straightest sect of our religion, I love the Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made unto our fathers. Verse 7 of Acts 26. Unto which promise our twelve tribes, instantly serving God day and night, hope to come. For which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. Verse 8. Why should it be thought thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? I'll pause there for a moment. And I will remind you of Romans 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. First Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul, writing under inspiration of God, himself made mention of some things regarding this matter the resurrection verse 12 now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead I'll say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead but if there be no resurrection of the dead then is Christ not risen and if Christ be not risen then is our preaching vain and your faith is also vain that word vain meaning empty 
union of First Corinthians 15. Yeah, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ. To be raised not up, and so be that the dead rise not. Verse 16 of First Corinthians 15. For if the dead rise not, then is Christ not raised. Verse 17. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is being you're yet in your sins. Verse 18. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Verse 19. If in this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are all men most miserable. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. It is written, verse 20 of 1 Corinthians 15. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. So Christ is indeed risen from the dead, and Paul is testifying of the resurrected Christ and his encounter with the resurrected Christ. Continuing on, Acts 26, verse 9. I verily thought with myself, Paul declares, that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This, of course, when he was a Pharisee. Verse 10, which thing I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest, and when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. Now, the Apostle Paul, over in First Timothy, it is written, under inspiration of God, Paul makes reference to his activities as a Pharisee, when he wrote in First Timothy, under inspiration of God, verse 13. To get a general understanding here of the context, actually we'll go ahead here and we'll go up here and we'll touch on what Paul had to say concerning the law as a schoolmaster to bring men to Christ. Verse 8 of 1 Timothy chapter 1. The Apostle Paul writes under inspiration of God, but we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully. Verse 9, knowing this, the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly, and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murders of fathers and murders of mothers, for manslayers. Verse 10, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men-stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God which was committed to my trust. I'll pause for a moment and remind you that that gospel is summed up again in 1 Corinthians 15. If I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died from our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Verse 12 of 1 Timothy, chapter 1, Paul writes, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Verse 13, here Paul declares, who was before, speaking of himself now, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. But I obtained mercy. We were praying for mercy here not long ago on behalf of the United States of America. Paul says he obtained mercy. In other words, God did not give Paul what he deserved. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Senator, you need to obtain mercy of the living God. You need God to not give you what you deserve. Indeed, just like Paul did the things that he did ignorantly in unbelief, uh, if you heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, you cannot plead ignorance. In fact, according to Romans chapter 1, you cannot even plead ignorance due to the fact that the very heavens declare the glory of God, the form that shows his handiwork. And he said in his heart, there is no God. Verse 14, Paul goes on. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. The grace of our Lord, grace, 
God giving you what you don't deserve. God gave Paul what he didn't deserve. And his grace was exceeding abundant towards the Apostle Paul. With all faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. Amen. Verse 15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Now when we consider the faith and love which is in Christ Jesus, um, it is written in Psalm 5.5 that uh, the foolish shall not stand in God's sight and that God hates the workers of iniquity. It is also written in Psalm 11 that upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire and brimstone, and horrible tempest. This should be the portion of their cup. And we're also told there in that context that the wicked and him that loveth violence, God's soul hates. Now, the faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. Now, God loves you, but only in and through Jesus Christ, and therefore you must be in Christ. If you are not to be forever hated of God, and at the last cast away as an enemy of God into that lake of fire, which it is written, the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death, Revelation 21, 8. Back in Acts 26, continuing on, again, Paul, verse 10 of Acts 26, which thing I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints that I shut up in prison having received authority from the chief priest, and when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. Verse 11. And I published them off in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto a strange city. I'll give a word here concerning the sacrifice, uh, counting the cost of being a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus himself, when he was here on earth, he declared that if any man would come after him, he must take up his cross and follow him daily. We beseech men in Christ's stead to be reconciled to the living God. I beseech you, sinner, in Christ's stead to be reconciled to God. And yet, I would not give you, contrary to some, this false idea of the Christian life, uh, just being a bed of roses on this side, because it's not, it was never meant to be. Contrary to what you may hear on TV from some, it was never meant to be a bed of roses on this side. No. Before we take up the cross, the Apostle Paul himself, he testified of what he referred to under inspiration of God as dying daily. Jesus Christ referred to such dying daily as denying oneself. It all starts. It all starts with getting saved. And you need to get saved, sinner. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Come on. Now, Jesus Christ suffered, he died, he bled for you. Why, why would you not be willing to suffer, to bleed and die for his name's sake, if need be, as one of his children? But you must be born again. You must be born again. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, that any man should boast. Your sin has condemned you before a holy God. As a transgressor of God's law, you are worthy of the condemnation of hell. Say yes to Jesus, say no to hell. You dare not say no to Jesus, for you will be indeed saying yes to hell, as Brother Melton himself wrote there in that little uh, poem that was read at the beginning of this message. Uh, continuing on here, whereupon, Paul declares, Verse 12 of Acts 26, whereupon as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, 
just a real quick note here concerning Bible prophecy, according to Isaiah, Damascus would be made turned into ruinous heaps as the day of the Lord approaches, the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, maybe you have uh, been paying attention, maybe you've not been paying attention to what's been going on over in Syria lately, but practically all that civil war that's been going on there for about the last, oh, going on three years now, if not three years now, there's been a civil war going on over there in Syria, and, and what, where, but Damascus is the center of it all over there, so uh, it seems like the initial stages of Damascus uh, being turned into a ruinous heap is right upon us. So again, Paul declares, whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, verse 13 of Acts 26, at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. Verse 14, And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me, and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Verse 15, And I said, Who art thou, Lord? He said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Verse 16, But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee. You go ahead and pause there for just a moment and comment concerning those who say they've seen Jesus. I know when I was over at this festival in Dearborn, Michigan, seeking to preach the gospel of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, to these Muslims and to uh, give out good gospel material in the process as well that exalts the gospel of the Son of the Living God, I came across this uh, DVD, and I've also come across a book that's been written by this one lady along these lines, talking about uh, these uh, Muslims having these visions of Jesus. Now, it's like this. The first time I heard a testimony of a man who himself was a Muslim and said he saw or had this vision in which Jesus appeared to him, and, he, and Jesus said that he was building this worldwide empire and asked this Muslim friend of mine, Ishmael, what part he would have in it. Actually, the first thing that went on in my mind was Antichrist. And then, then I thought, well, now Jesus did say that his sheep hear his voice, and they know him, and they follow him. And then I was coming across these other testimonies about, um, you know, these appearances that, you know, these Muslims have been having. And I've seen DVDs and I've read books about it, but it's like this. To make a long story short and to cut all through it, it's simple as this. Um, yes, Jesus did say, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And this is a good testimony to that. Right here, we see Paul testifying to Agrippa of the voice of the Good Shepherd. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. So Paul, he heard the voice of the Good Shepherd, and Paul, as an obedient sheep, followed the Good Shepherd. Now, here, when it talks about somebody saying that they saw Jesus, now, praise God, I don't question, and I don't doubt for a moment, that more Muslims 
turning and are continuing to turn from Islam to faith in the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and any time in the last 100 years, more of them are turning uh, to Christ. Praise God for that. And I don't doubt that God can even use these supposed visions to draw somebody to Christ, because God knows how to use the devil's devices against him. But now to say that so he tells you they saw Jesus. A good question to ask, because though Paul does not, te- though Paul doesn't testify here in this context. If you go back, which I'm not going to turn there, but if you go back to Acts chapter nine, where all this originally unfolded, you'll read about how Paul was blinded. Somebody says they saw Jesus. Just asking. They uh, well, it's like obviously uh, you're not blinded. I mean, did uh, did, did some. Uh, you know, did God send somebody along to open up your eyesight? Because that's obviously what somebody had to do with Paul after he got a glimpse of the Son of God in all his glory. So I would have to tell you that uh, you were never blinded physically, so therefore whatever you claim to see is not Jesus. No believer of Jesus, Jesus appears to anybody uh, having resurrected from the dead. Uh, it's going to be in the same context that he appeared to Saul, and therefore uh, they're going to be physically blinded just like Paul was blinded. Simple as that. So there you go. That's test what God calls testing the spirits. Now, again, I don't doubt that God uses these, uh, what men call appearances of Christ, to draw men to Christ, but mark it down. That's just God uh, using uh, the devil's devices, using what I believe is no doubt a lying sign of wonder against the devil himself, and God's more than able to do that, and he does it all the time. And if anything, what I think happens with most of these people, not all, but a lot of these people that uh, testify of these visions, uh, God help them, I think they're maybe guilty of putting their faith in a vision and not in the Son of God himself. Be not deceived the devil. Uh, he uh, appears as an angel of light, and the Word of God warns us. Jesus himself said, If any man say to you, Lo, here is Christ there, believe him not. And for as lightning shineth out of the east, and cometh out of the, and cometh even, shineth even to the west. So the Son of Man would be in his appearing. So again, if there was no lightning... If it was the lightning from the east to the west, um, it was not Jesus. So, anyways, continuing on here. Verse 16. Now, again, Jesus just got done saying in the context here as Paul testifies, Who art thou? Lord Paul says, And he, Jesus himself, said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. Again, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them and they follow me. Verse 16. But rise and stand upon thy feet for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen and those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee. Verse 18. To open their eyes, to turn them from the darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified. Sanctified means set apart, made holy by faith that is in me. So, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says, In whom the God of this world, speaking of Satan himself, the devil, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, you believe not, sinner, it's because you're blinded by the God of this world. And whom the God of this world hath blinded the mo- eyes of them which believe not, the minds of them which believe not, lest the glorious light of the gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. The glorious gospel of 
Christ, who is the image of God, is now shining unto you, sinner, even as you listen to this. Again, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But God committed his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Amen. For if we were enemies of God, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Against all of sin, you have sinned. You've come short of the glory of God, there is none righteous. No, not one. Jesus said, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one. That is God. So Jesus himself was declaring, There is none good but one. Only so therefore, any time somebody calls himself or herself good, they're in essence blaspheming is what they're doing. They're saying they're good as God is good in and of themselves. No. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, verse 19, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient under the heavenly vision. Uh, let this preaching uh, be as it were, your heavenly vision. Let this preaching serve as a heavenly vision to you that you need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you need to be saved. Believe on, put all your faith, put all your trust in him, recognizing that you've sinned, something good in and of you, whereby you can merit, whereby you can earn. Salvation is a gift for the wages, the price, the cost of sin is death. One more reason why Jesus said to die, because the wages, the price of your sin is death. And it's Jesus, for you to be delivered from the death of your sin, had to die, and it's Christ once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might deliver us from the wrath of God being quickened by the Spirit. And to receive, that you may receive, for the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, that you, by way of faith in Jesus Christ, may receive the forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1 would be a good place to turn here. Ephesians chapter 1, Paul, Paul makes reference specifically to how Jesus himself, the good shepherd, declared in verse 17 of Acts 26, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, to whom now I send thee. So Paul, this Jew, had a calling specifically to the Gentiles, and that is referred to in the context of Ephesians chapter 1. And we're also going to read about this matter of inheritance, inheritance. And the forgiveness of sins. Ephesians chapter 1. It is written. Speaking of Jesus Christ. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Verse 8. Wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Verse 9, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. Verse 10, that in the dispensation, the word dispensation uh, implies uh, a time, of a specific time of, of, of a specific operation or function of God, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. Again, speaking of Christ, in whom also we, those of us who believe on him, have obtained an inheritance, there it is, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, verse 12, that we should be to the praise of his glory. First, 
trusted in Christ. Verse 13, again, speaking of Jesus, and who ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and who also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So, sinner, here, you believe on Jesus Christ, in whom redemption is to be had through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. So, you place your faith in the blood of Jesus Christ, because it is the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. That is established by the very word of God there in the, uh, in the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible. When Adam and Eve sinned, we're told there in the context of um, Romans chapter 5, verse 4, by one man, speaking of Adam, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. After Adam sinned there in the context of Genesis told, even as they realized they were naked, they in shame fled from their creator, and their creator in love sought them out, and he made goats skins, skins, skins of animals were taken, and they were clothed upon there with these skins, these animal skins. So right there we see from the very get-go this matter of the shedding of blood there established in Genesis, and confirmed the law of Moses where there was the blood upon the altar, uh, the sacrifice slain. I think it's 17, we're told, it is the blood that maketh an atonement, an atonement, an atonement, a payment for the soul. It's the blood. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. Another reason why Jesus Christ, when he died, he shed his blood. And it's the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. Amen. So anybody who tells you that the blood does not matter is a liar and the truth is not in them. And then we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Come on. And as you call upon Jesus Christ, you trust in him alone for faith in his blood to forgive you of your sins and repentance toward God. Repentance toward God. Uh, the psalmist declared, for I, will be, for I will declare my iniquity. The psalmist wrote, I will declare my iniquity. I will be sorry for my sins. So declare your iniquity, sinner. Declare your unbelief before a holy God. And all of your sin that is a result of your unbelief is a transgressor of God's law. The law of God declares that if thou, sh- uh, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless to take it in the name of vain. You ever taken the name of Jesus Christ and used it flippantly as a curse word, joking around with your friends? You said God and the word damn simultaneously in a moment of rage? Those are just a couple of ways in which you blaspheme the name of God, and God says you do it just once. You will not be found guiltless. Whosoever should keep the whole law and yet offend at one point, he is guilty of all. So, you acknowledge yourself as in a state of unbelief, as a transgressor of God's law, and you call upon God, the Lord Jesus Christ, truly sorrowful for your sin against Him and how your sin offended Him and how your sin pierced His Son on the cross. And as you cry out, for his mercy, for his grace, to wash you in his blood, which was shed for you. The Word of God declares that you will be sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, Ephesians 1, 13. Having first trusted in Christ, and once you're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, the Word of God declares that your body is officially, at that point, become a temple or a dwelling place of the living God, 
the Holy Ghost himself. There are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Lord, the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. That's John 5, 7. Beware of any so-called Bible that does not have that verse in it. Does not have that verse in it. It's not a Bible. I can guarantee you there's one that has it in, and it's the Word of God, the King James Bible in the English language. Acts 26. Continuing on here. Whereupon, O King Brooklyn, I was not disobedient under the heavenly vision. Verse 20, but shoot first under them of Damascus and at Jerusalem throughout all the coast of Judea. And then to the Gentiles, here is that they should repent, turn to God, and do works meet for repentance. The word of God declares, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away, behold, for all things have become new. So, that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. Now again, it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy that he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Again, salvation is not of works. And yet, and yet, if you truly repent, if you're truly sorry for your sin and you put your faith in Jesus Christ, having turned to God, you're going to be made a new creature. And that evidence whereby that new creature is manifested, the change, the longing to be like Christ, will manifest itself. And those are these works meet for repentance, which Paul is speaking. The evidence of the new creature. The evidence that you truly believed on Christ. Verse 21. For these causes, the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. So, if you preach, the men should repent, turn to God and do works meet for repentance through faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, some people might want to go about to kill you, and which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him, which is able to destroy both the soul and body in hell. That's what Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd himself, said. Paul himself declared, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. So, fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him, which is able to destroy both the soul and body in hell. Verse 22, having therefore obtained help of God, Paul goes on, I continue unto this day, witnessing both the small and great, saying none of the things than those things which the prophets and Moses did say should come, Verse 23, that Christ should come, that Christ, Messiah, Mashiach, should come, and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should shew light unto the people and to the Gentiles. The people talk about the Jews. The gospel was indeed to the Jew first, and also to the Greeks, the Gentiles. If you're not Jewish, uh, you are a Gentile. And Jesus uh, has come to shew light unto you. And this message is his way of showing light unto you from his word. Verse 24. Paul goes on, and as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice. Okay, so now we got Festus now, actually, here, the word of God declaring that Festus is now speaking. Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself, much learning doeth make thee mad. <laughs> uh, that dirty devil had accused her of the brethren, that's all I think of there when I read that. Yeah, the devil, he's going to accuse you of being mad. He's going to accuse you of being a little fruity. If you speak the truth in Jesus, he's going to accuse you of being a little bigoted, a little uh, little too narrow-minded, you might say. Jesus Christ is also so himself declared that straight is the gate and narrow is the way, so let them call you narrow-minded all they want. And the reason they're calling you narrow-minded is because they're on the ball of destruction. Verse 25, he said, Paul 
fine. I'm not mad. Most noble Festus. Speak the words of truth and soberness. Festus, he was on the broad road of destruction. That's why he thought Paul was a little mad, a little narrow-minded. Paul, he just spoke the words of truth and soberness. Verse 26, the king knoweth of these things, before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For this thing was not done in the corner. Hey, there's nothing secret about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not anymore. No, no. It was once, it was once hid from the foundation of the world. But it's been now declared. It's now made open. There's nothing secret about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 47, King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? Paul goes on. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Verse 28, Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Verse 29, and Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am, except these bonds. Yeah. Now, sinner, you've heard the gospel. You know you've transgressed God's law. The very law of God written on your heart testifies against you. There's going to come a day when all men are going to give an account to Jesus Christ. And you want to face him as your Savior and Lord, not as your judge. And I pray that as a result of this message, you would not be almost persuaded to be a Christian. Almost is not going to do it. I pray that you would be persuaded, and that of God Almighty himself, by way of his Spirit working through this message, to be a Christian. And to take up your cross, follow Jesus Christ, where God says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And, and though we would not, like Paul, though we would not wish any manner of physical bonds on you, yet may you be willing to be the bond servant of Jesus Christ, even as he came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for you, may you be willing to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ as one who has been born again of the Spirit of God. If you've been born again, of a lot that I said unto you, you must be born again. Behold, you were shaped in iniquity and in sin did your mother conceive you. For as an Adam, all die. As an Adam, all die. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. You must be in him, Jesus Christ, who is good. So, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The just shall live by faith. You need to have peace with God. And as you have peace with God, the very God of peace will take up residence within you, will lead you, will guide you, and you will have a relationship with Him. You talk to Him in prayer, put talk to you through the Bible, and you, as you believe on Him, find those simple desires replaced by holy desires, and you will know that you have eternal life, and that you have said yes to Jesus, and you said no to hell. May you indeed say yes to Jesus, and say no to hell, remembering that if you say no to Jesus, you indeed said yes to hell. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. The Word of God declares 
Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For if God declares that by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified in God's sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin, thou shalt have no other gods before me. The word of God declares, the first of the Ten Commandments. Who, what is your God this day, sinner? The word of God declares, first and greatest commandment, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, all thy mind, all thy strength. You have failed. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second commandment is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Have you always done unto others as you would do or have done unto you? No. You've not always done unto others as you would have them do unto you. Nor have you always loved the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. Ye must be born again. For it is written, But God commendeth his love toward us. Well, thank God for the good news, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. For the wages of sin is death. Revelation 21.8 says, But the fearful, and the unbelieving, and the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Ah, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Receive his gift by faith today, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. God manifest in the flesh, he rose from the dead. He's coming again, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Call upon the Lord today. This is Evangelist Timothy Groover. Till next time, God bless you and yours.